Thanks for listening to the Three Strands podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit us at threestrands.church. So we're in this series, fourth week of our series, Out of Your Mind, just a couple weeks left, and we're learning how to win that battle that's inside of our head against depression, discouragement, anxiety, Um, when you feel overwhelmed, when something just keeps warring or battling you in your mind. And so uh, we want to win that fight. So I want to start today in John chapter 6. We're going to be really in two passages. The verses will all be on the screen. John chapter 6 and Exodus chapter 16. You'll see how they're connected in just a second. But John chapter 6 and Exodus chapter 16. So let me start in John. I want to read you three verses from John chapter 6, starting in verse 48. Here's what it says. Ready? Yes, I am the bread of life. This is Jesus talking. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. That's a good passage. I want that passage to ring in your ears the rest of the week. Let's read it one more time. You ready? Let me read it to you one more time. Ready? John 6, starting in verse 48. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. So I want to talk with you today about expiration dates, all right? So uh, expiration dates. So I called the title today Expiration Date. If you've ever been to the grocery store, if you've been to the grocery store in the last 20 years, you know that everything in the grocery store now has an expiration date on it, right? And some of you are like, I didn't even know that. I just eat or drink whatever. But there's an expiration date printed on everything at the store, a grocery store that you pick up. But not everybody views the expiration date in the same way. Now, my, my wife's not in here. She's out in Sidekicks today. But Stephanie and I do not view the expiration date the same way, okay? So maybe you are in a house where you've got different people in the same house that view the expiration date different ways. But in our house, like, if the expiration date is up, to Stephanie, that means, like, throw it in the garbage, okay? But that isn't really how I do it. So, like, I have some other uh, factors that I consider before throwing out something that the expiration date's out on. So maybe you're familiar with some of these, right? But there's people that they use their uh, site. So it's like they see what the expiration date says, but then they go beyond like, well, what does it look like? And they'll say things like, well, I don't see any mold on it, so it must still be good, right? Or, or then you've got people that like maybe they use their smell. Like they open up the bag or they take the lid off the carton or, or the jug or they smell it. And they say, Smells all right to me. Right? Say things like that. So it doesn't matter if it's a month out of date. If it smells all right, they're going to go ahead and, and try it. Right? And then there's people like me. I'm in this other category. It's probably what's wrong with me in the world. I don't know. But I'm in the category that relies on my taste. <laughs> so it's like, so sometimes at our house, if something's out of date, and Stephanie is always like, I don't know. What do you think? Should we throw this out? I'll be like, let me try it. I'll try it. I'll be like, well, it tastes all right. Let's go ahead and use it, you know? So I don't know where you're at on that spectrum, but Here's the thing. Life doesn't come with expiration dates. I mean, it does, but none of them are printed on anything. Every circumstance you face, every difficulty you come across, everything you'd like to have end in your life will at some point end. Everything has a beginning and everything has an end, but the problem is God didn't print expiration dates on all my circumstances. So I don't know when they're going to end. So when I approach how God relates to my life or how God tries to connect with me or give me information, 
I can't approach it like Stephanie approaches expiration dates because they're not printed on my circumstances. I have to rely on some other senses, some other options, some other procedures and processes to figure out when's this going to end or what do I do now in the moment? Should I taste this or not taste it? Should I try it or not try it? Should I quit and throw it out or should I hang on to it a little longer? And so I have to, when it comes to my interactions with God, there is an expiration date, but I have to be a little bit more progressive in the way I approach it, a little bit more um, evolving or changing in the way I determine what I should do, what I shouldn't do, what should end and what shouldn't end. And why do I have to do that? Because God doesn't reveal all of life to you at once, right? In fact, it's really God's mercy that he doesn't do that. If God actually printed the expiration date on all of your circumstances and all of your difficulties, you'd die. You'd quit. You'd give up. You'd probably end it. If, if it was like, you go to the doctor, he's like, oh, you're going to have this battle. We're going to have to take some chemo, and you have to go through some surgery. And then God was like, well, that's not going to end for 15 more years. You'd be like, 15 more years? You'd give up if you knew how hard it was going to be to raise kids before they were born. You'd give up. So they don't come with expiration dates. You know, some of you are like, I wish my kids came with some expiration They don't come with expiration dates. So it's like, but that's God's mercy because if we knew it all up front, we'd quit. We'd give up. And we'd be so overwhelmed inside. How long is this going to last? I don't think I can take this any longer. And so you come to this passage in John 6, and Jesus says to the crowd around him, I am the bread of life. What's he saying? He's saying, I am your provider. I am the one who provides for you. But it goes beyond that. He's not just our provider. He's our provision. He's not just giving us bread. He is the bread. It goes beyond just providing for us from day to day or helping us get through circumstances or showing us what to do. He's literally the bread we're supposed to consume. He's literally the one that's not just going to provide for us, but be the provision for us. I don't know if you caught this or not, but in verse 49 that we read, it kind of references some story from the Old Testament. He said that your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all die. This is a reference to Exodus chapter 16, where we'll spend the rest of our time today. So in Exodus chapter 16, you find the Israelites just freed from slavery in Egypt. But they're not into the promised land yet. They're in the wilderness, in between where they were slaves and where God promised to give them blessing. They're somewhere in the middle. So let me read you the first verse. It's in Exodus chapter 16, verse 1. Here's what it says. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sinai, between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. You got it? They're about a month removed from slavery, but they're not in the blessing of the promised land yet. They're in the middle, in between. And that's how life is a lot of times. It's like God has brought you out of a difficult season, but he hasn't yet revealed to you a good thing that's coming next. And there you are stuck kind of in the middle, like in limbo. What's going to happen with my life? I don't know what's coming, and I'm away from what I was in, but where's the good thing? It's like I want blessing, but God hasn't quite brought you there yet. He's brought you out of something difficult, but hasn't yet brought you into something blessed yet. That's how our life feels a lot of times, like we're stuck in the wilderness. And God's still providing for you in the wilderness. 
He's going to provide for these people in the wilderness, but it's not the provision they expected. And that's difficult for us. When God provides us something in our life, but it's not what we hoped for, or it's not what we expected, I wonder what we do with that. Do we do the same thing that the Israelites did? I think for me, I do often. I want to show you what they did. But I think for me, I often do the same thing they did. They failed the test, a lot of them. They failed the test because instead of being grateful for the grace God had already given them to get through what they had come through, they were grumbling about what was coming next. And I wonder how often I'm like that to God. Instead of being grateful for all the grace it took to get me through all the stuff I've been through already, I'm grumbling about what I think should be coming next or about what I want to come next or about how long I'm stuck in this wilderness. I keep grumbling and I brought this glass with me today. I don't know if you can see the glass up here on the front, but I got this glass filled with some water. And so, Sam, I've got this glass, and it's, it's um, some people would look at that glass, and they would say that it's, you know, half full. All right, all right. And some people will look at it and say it's half empty, right? Okay, so, and, and I don't know, is it half full or half empty? And some people say, well, it depends on your perspective, if it's half full or half empty, right? So I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Keep that in your head for a second. Is the glass half full or half empty? I'm going to give you the right answer, okay? I'll give you the right answer. You can stick to this answer the rest of your life. But this is what it's like when you're stuck in the middle. And so they came out of Egypt when the expiration date on their suffering was up. But they didn't know when it was going to be up. They were in captivity for 400 years, the expiration date ended when God decided it had been enough. That's when your circumstances end. That's when a new circumstance begins. When God decides it's been long enough. Not when we decide. God decides it's been long enough. And so he brings them out of captivity. And now Jesus is referencing this event. And he's saying, I'm the bread of life. I'm the sustenance for you. I'm the provision for your life when you're stuck in the wilderness, in the middle of where you didn't want to be, but not quite where you want to be yet. I'm the provision for you. It's like he's saying to them, I am, I was, and I will be. And you're like, well, how do you know that Jesus is here with you? Because he always has been. And how do you know that Jesus will always be with you in the future? Because he is right now. It's like, how do you, I am, I was, I will be. He's like, I'm enough I am the bread of life. If you eat this bread, you won't die. You won't suffer the same fate as these people from the Old Testament. There's a test that comes after each test, that comes after each test. And as one circumstance ends in your life, another one begins. And they end when God decides they end. And then you graduate to the next circumstance, which is just another test. It's like Algebra 2 is like my reward for getting past Algebra 1. Thanks. Right? But that's what life is like. You get a test, and God's like, come on, you can do it. And you pass the test, only to find out that when he said that's enough, and he brings you out of it, there's just another test waiting. But that's what life is. It's God giving us one opportunity after another, one test after another. I said it's kind of like raising kids, right? And you get pregnant, or your wife gets pregnant, or you know, you're about to have a baby, and you think, this is rough. Like there's a lot of ups and downs to that, and you're worried. Are you worried about the kids? Like every kick you feel at the beginning, this is on the first kid. 
Like after the first kid, you're like, I don't care. You stop beating your, you stop, stop kicking, you know. But the first kid, you're like, you're worried. Every little thing that goes wrong. If you feel sick, you're worried. If you feel okay, you're worried, you know. And then you go to the hospital. You're like, we got to get this over. I'm ready to get this child out of me. And you give birth only to find out it's actually worse. Then you worry even more after they're born. Like, I didn't think I could worry anymore, but now I worry all the time. They're in their own room, and I'm, I hear them crying, and I'm worried. And I don't hear any noise, and I'm worried. You're always worried. And then they grow up, and they become little kids, and they start running around. And you don't even know where they're at now. They're, like, running through the house, and you're thinking they're probably sticking something in the light socket. So you're chasing around, putting little plastic plugs in all the light sockets till you have the second kid. Then you're like, ah, I won't kill them. They'll just shock them. They'll learn, you know. And then they become teenagers, and now you're worried even more because now they're running around outside the house with friends and you don't know what they're doing or where they're going or, you know, you get a call and you find out they're three states over in jail. And it's like just when you think you've passed the test, you get rewarded with the next test, which is even harder. And that's kind of how life is. And that's how God operates in our life. And what he's saying to these people in John 6 and what he was trying to convince or teach his people in Exodus 16 is no matter what the circumstance, no matter how difficult the test gets, I'm the one who will provide for you in it. I'm the bread you need to feast on every day. I am enough. I'm enough right now. And so what God is trying to get us to learn today, same thing he's trying to get them to learn, is that he is enough right now. That you can trust him right now. So today I want to just give you from these passages two things, the only two things that keep you from trusting God right now. You ready? Here they are. Here's the first one. Your attachment to the past. This is what happened for these people. I'm going to show it to you. You ready? Your attachment to the past keeps you from trusting God right now. It's like something happens in our minds when we just get a little removed from the past and we start to uh, pretend as if the past was really better than it was. I, I always think about that when it comes to like modern conveniences and people are like, oh, I miss the good old days. Like, I don't miss the good old days. I don't want to be going, I don't want to be coming to church in a wagon. You, you know what I mean? Like I'm real thankful for vehicles. I'm real thankful for air conditioning. I'm real thankful for indoor plumbing. I don't want to go back to the good old days where we all had outhouses and you took your horse into town to buy the groceries. I don't, I don't want to go back to that. Why? But people talk about that. Like, oh, that was good. There was no pollution. People moved a little slower. Life wasn't as busy. No. I, it's like you, you get just, and it doesn't have to be that far back. You just get a little removed. You break up with somebody three or four weeks later. And you're like, I don't even remember why I broke up with them. You couldn't stand them. But now three or four weeks later, you're like, I really miss them. Like, what just happened here? And we do that all the time. As if the next job is never going to be as good as the last job. Or, or the next relationship is never going to live up to that. Man, if I just had that relationship back. If I just had that job back. We start to pretend or have kind of like a, a, a only a, a view of the past that's like, makes it something better than it was. So look at what happens in this passage. Verse 2. They're in the middle of the wilderness, and this is what it says. There, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. I don't know if you caught this in the first verse, but they've only been out of slavery for a month. A month. And they started to complain. This is ridiculous wilderness 
stuck here in the wilderness. It's crazy. Things were better back in the day. Back in the day, they were beating you. They were like, they were, they were mistreating you. They were forcing you to work for them for free. Like, what was so much better about back in the day? This is what they say. It's as if they were in Egypt too long, and now they've been out for just a month. And they start to remember it differently than it really was. They have kind of a selective memory about the past. Is that how it was? Oh, you're, you don't treat me like you did when we first got married or, you know. I remember back when I didn't have kids, I didn't have all these problems, and I could just do what I felt like doing on the weekends. Or All of a sudden, it's like the past becomes like this great thing that you latch on to, and no church that you go to can ever live up to the church you grew up in, and, and no relationship you can have now ever live up to that first relationship that you remember just being so excited, and no stage of life can ever live up to back when we were in our 20s or single and had all this energy, and everything's horrible now, and woe is me, and I'm just going to complain about all of it because it's never going to be like it used to be. That's what they do. Look at verse 3. Listen to what they say. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. I'd rather be dead than out here in the wilderness with you, Moses. They moaned. There we, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you've brought us out into the wilderness to starve us all to death. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's like we got to have spam and it came in a can. It's like meat in a can. We sat around meat in a pot and all the bread we can eat. And now you brought us out here in the wilderness. <laughs> and it's like they'd rather go back to familiar than be free. And how often do we do that? We settle for familiarity instead of freedom. And we'd rather run back to pornography because it's what we're used to than to live in the freedom of sexual purity. We'd rather run back to alcohol to numb the pain than live in the freedom of having the peace from the Holy Spirit. And we run back to what's familiar and we sacrifice our freedom every time instead of trusting God now. We're latched on to something from the past that used to make us feel good. Something from the past that now somehow seems better in our heads. And we always choose familiar over freedom. And some of you see God like that now in a different way. It's the opposite. You look back at the past and you see only bad things about the Lord. You have trouble seeing the grace of God now because when you were growing up, you were taught that God was waiting to get you. Like he's up there like Zeus with a lightning bolt. And as soon as you do something bad, he's going to be like, Zzz. And so you live your life almost, almost impossible for you to see God as loving and gracious because you just see him as like a mean tyrant latched on to what you learned about him in the past. You have trouble seeing who God really is because you keep hanging on and are attached to how you were taught to always see God in the past. Isn't that what we do? And they failed this test. But look what God does. Even though they grumbled and even though they complained. Look at verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day, each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this. There's that test again. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. You hear what he's saying? I want them to go out, pick up whatever food they need for the day off the ground. I'm going to put the food on the ground for some reason. Pick up whatever they need for that day, but only what they need for that day. 
And in this way, I'm going to test them to see if they'll actually obey and do what I'm saying. Here's another test. Will you trust me now? Because if you gather up a bunch of extra food, you might be trusting me right today, but then tomorrow you won't have to. You'll have leftovers. So God still shows them grace. God still provides for them, even though they're complaining. What is he saying to them? Just gather up what you need for today to test him and see if each day God will be enough for them. In other words, give us this day our daily bread. Not tomorrow's bread, just today's bread. Stop latching onto the past and start trusting that I'm going to provide for you right now. Here's the second thing that keeps you from trusting God now. Now. Ready? Your fixation on the future. Now Israel, they spent most of their history, even today, waiting for the Messiah to come. And they would often say things to themselves or to each other, like, when the Messiah comes, things will be better. Then things will be good. They were so focused on what will be that they always missed what is. And I wonder how often I do that. Thoughts flooded through their minds like, we should go back to Egypt. We should go back to Egypt because things were better there. Or when the Messiah comes, things will be better then. But God's provision is never found there or then. It's always found here and now. That's what he's trying to teach them. Stop attaching yourself to the past. Stop fixating on the future. Start trusting me now. Now. And what makes the provision sufficient isn't what it tastes like or isn't how it makes you feel. It's your proximity to the source. Which is why God wanted to provide it for him every day. Which is why Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Which is the only reason the disciples were left with 12 baskets of leftovers. When they took the bread and the fish and they put it into Jesus' hands and it kept multiplying and multiplying to feed thousands. It wasn't the bread. It wasn't the fish. It isn't the manna. It's the source. And the closer you can get to the source, the more long-lasting the provision will be. In other words, you don't have to be enough. You just have to be close enough. Does that make sense? That's what God's trying to teach his people. Stop dwelling on the past Stop focusing on the future. Instead, trust me right now. There's a direct connection between your closeness to Jesus and your ability to cope with chaos in your life. So look what happens in verse 13. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. That'd be so cool to see. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. I was trying to figure out a way to to illustrate this for you today. This is all I could come up with. But it's what it sounded like to me. A flaky substance that was covered with frost. All right? So I brought it for you, right? You'll you'll get that in just a second, all right? A flaky substance that's all covered in frost. So they wake up in the morning. I'll take care of this, Aaron, all right? They wake up in the morning, 
And this is all over the ground, okay? Easy, Sam. Easy, right? A flaky substance covered in frost. All right, you got, you got, that's what it is, right? So they wake up. This is all over the ground to eat. How's that look? It's on the ground, right? It's on the ground. God's like, I'll provide. Just pick up enough for today. Tomorrow I'll give you some more. And they're all looking at it like, uh, what's that? What's that? All right. I'm, I'm going to show it to you. Okay, watch. Look, look here in verse 16. Oh, no, verse, verse 15, I guess, right? The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. They're like, somebody got frosted flakes on the ground. I don't, what are we supposed to do with that? You know? Are we planting it? Does it grow like frosted flakes trees? Like, what do we do with that? No. No, it's, it's, it's there for you to eat. It's there for you to be provided for by God. But it's hard for us to accept circumstances from God or to accept even blessing from God if it's something we've never seen before. If it doesn't show up just like we expect it to show up, it's hard for us to receive it with a good attitude, isn't it? If we've never seen it, it's hard to receive it. And that's exactly what happened to them. And so God's trying to teach them a lesson here. That there is the past and then is the future. But right here, now is provision. And that's what he gives them, provision. It doesn't look like what they expected. And they're not even quite sure what it is. It makes me think of the quote from Master Ugwe. You guys ever watch Kung Fu Panda? That's a good cartoon movie even for adults. Just want you to know that. But Kung Fu Panda, Master Ugwe, you guys remember that? When he says, uh, yesterday is history. You guys remember this? Yesterday is history. Tomorrow's a mystery. But today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. You guys heard that before? All right. Yeah, that's what, I mean, he got that from Jesus. But I'm just saying, you know. Okay. But that's what he's saying. Get your eyes off the past. Get your eyes off the future. The gift is right here in the present. The provision is right here and now. Will you trust me for right here and now? That's all. That's all you got to worry about. Right here, right now, will you trust me? Look at the end of verse 15. Moses told them, it's the food the Lord has given you to eat. I can just see them all standing around and be, oh, yeah, Moses says it's food. I guess, I guess we can eat it now. Like they didn't know what it was, you know. It's the food the Lord has given you to eat. Look at verse 16. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. Then, or, So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot and some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. But why, God? Why not some extra? I mean, what if somebody else in the house eats a little bit more and I don't have enough? Trust me, it'll be just enough. It'll be just enough. Here, if you missed everything else today, let me sum it up for you this way. This is what God's trying to say to us. You ready? It'll, I think I got it on the screen. It's enough. He's enough. I'm enough. All right? I want you to remember those three phrases. You ready? It's enough. He's enough. I'm enough. All right, try it with me so you can remember it all week. Ready? It's enough. He's enough. I'm enough. You ready? 
This is what God is saying to them. It's what he's telling us thousands of years later. It's enough because I'm enough, so you're enough. You got it? It's enough because I'm enough, so you're enough. Whatever the circumstance is, whatever the situation you're feeling or facing, whatever the battle in your mind is going on right now, he's saying to you, my provision is enough today. Because I'm enough today, so you'll be enough today. But I don't know if I can make it another year like this. I don't know if I can put up with it for six more months. I don't know if I can feel this way for another decade. You don't have to. You just got to make it through today. Today, it's enough. Because I'm enough, so you're enough. Do you get what he's telling them? Do you get how it applies to us? God's not going to drop manna on the ground for you. You're not going to be held captive in Egypt, probably. You're not going to be walked into Canaan, into a promised land. Your blessings are going to look different than theirs. Your prisons are going to look different than theirs. Your provision is going to look different than theirs. And it might look different than you expect. But the provision that God's giving you won't be back there. And it won't be then. It'll be here and now. It's enough because he's enough. So I'm enough. And you should speak that over every area of your life this week. Every circumstance that you're facing, every difficult trial that comes your way, everything that wars in your mind this week, I want to challenge you just to look at that in the face and to say to it, it's enough because he's enough, so I'm enough. I got this, not because I'm so strong, but because I'm close enough. I'm close enough to the provision. But some of them dropped the ball. They didn't do it that way. Here's the answer. You ready? Is the glass half full or half empty? Here's the right answer. You ready? The glass is just enough to get you through. You understand? It's enough because he's enough. So I'm enough. They didn't all obey. I want to show you what happened to the ones that didn't obey. You ready? Look at verse 19. Then Moses told them, Do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. I know the date's not printed on it, but if you look at it and you see stuff crawling around in it, or you take a whiff and it has a terrible smell, or you taste it and it's like the, the maggots crunch and gush on the way down. It's expired. You with me? Okay, like, it's expired. Why? Why didn't it last one night? Because they didn't trust him now. That he was enough. They didn't trust him here and now. So my box of Frosted Flakes, right? I brought that with me. I don't want anybody to sue me, but everybody pay attention just for a second. All right, see that? If I throw those out into the crowd, right at Leslie, she's angry. She's like, I'm not tithing anymore. And they all hit Sam. If I throw those out at you guys, right? If I throw those out, what does everybody do? What does everybody do? We're going to have a kid crying here in a second. What does everybody do? They all get like, yeah, get angry. All right, why? Listen, think with me just for a second. Are there not places in this world that if I threw those frosted flakes out, People will be scrambling to get them. Maybe fighting each other to get a handful. What's different? 
Why don't we do that? There's only two reasons why you don't do that. You ready? Here's the first one. Because you ate something so good earlier today, and you're not hungry at all. You had a couple donuts off the back table, so you're not starving. So you don't feel like you need this. But if you were starving, you'd take some. Or, or you've been thinking about lunch for the last 20 minutes. You know you're going to the Mexican restaurant after church. Like, I don't have to eat. I don't have to settle for this. I know what's coming in the future. You understand what he's saying? The reason the provision doesn't seem like enough for you right now is because you're fixated on the past. You're fixated on the past. Or you're focused on the future. And he's saying, stay right here in the present. Stay right here with me in the moment. I am the bread of life. Stressed, hopeless, overwhelmed, discouraged, depressed, anxious. Could it be that you've let maggots get into your manna? Could it be that you're completely attached to your past or completely fixating on the future? Could it be that you're acting like the past is all this great thing when it wasn't? And could you act as if, are you acting as if the future is going to be way better than what this is and you're just complaining over and over again? It's enough because he's enough, so I'm enough. That's what faith is, isn't it? It's enough for today and trusting him for tomorrow. Isn't that how the, great, the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, goes? That we get strength for today and bright hope for the future, for tomorrow? Blessings are all mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies, I see. God's going to give you a new mercy tomorrow morning. And another one tomorrow morning. I don't know if I can make it through another day of work. I don't know if I can handle this marriage one more minute. I don't know if I can raise these kids another year. Here and now, people. Here and now. It's enough. Because he's enough. So you're enough. You hear what he's saying? So today, I wrote down at the end of my notes, today, I want you guys to be able to break the spirit of not enough and the spirit of I'll never off of your life. And I want you to be able to replace it with the bread of life here and now. Here is the bread. Here is the bread. And when thoughts of the way it used to be or dreams of how it should be attack your mind this week, I want to challenge you to stay in the moment and just simply speak over those things. It's enough. He's enough. I'm enough in Jesus' name. Can I pray with you today? Dear Heavenly Father, would you convince our people, would you convince this church that the provision is enough because you're enough so we can be enough today? And would you convince us to come back to you tomorrow, to stay close to the source every day so that we never have to know what it's like to go back to slavery. We never have to run back to what's familiar, but we can always live in freedom. God, would you give everybody here the courage to step out today and just believe that it's enough because you're enough. In Jesus' name I pray.